0: here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! This is Top Flight June Machine! I'm Andy Hot Body Dawson, ba, ba ba
1: I'm Sam Delaney, so what?
0: Welcome along, it is the third week or episode of looking at the uh, 3rd of December 1984. Any chart that's 1984 deserves at least three weeks, we reckon. Uh, that's in the Tune Machine rules, um, but I'm looking at it and I'm, not, I'm wondering where we're going to go because we've done quite a bit of it. So let's let's All start right, at the so, arse end of it. Let's have a look down the arse end and see what's yeah, going let's on let's see down what's there. bubbling up. See what we can uh, we can get out of that. Let's see what's got
1: bubbling pa- up in this chart's ass.
0: We got Paul Young going in at number 39 with "Everything Must Change." Uh, I, don't remember I like that, that song. It's a da da da. Da, 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 da. Everything must change. Oh, yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. Everything must change. Yeah, that's yeah. a good song. Um, I, I was a big Paul Young fan back then, oh, back in yeah. 1983 84, when whenever <clears throat> I lay my hat came out. I think yeah. it's a massively underrated song. I think we've probably touched on it before, maybe.
1: But that's a cover, isn't <clears throat> it?
0: It's a cover of a Marvin Gaye B side, yeah. yeah. So it's not as if it's a well known Marvin Gaye song, but it no. was, um, but I, it's just so sparse, and it's just got it's got like little click drum machine track thing going on, and then the bass uh, by Pino Palladino, who was a Ooh. well-known bassist for hire around. Yeah. um it probably worked well with John and every fucker. But yeah, and Paul Paul Young's voice is a, one of those blue-eyed white soul voices. Is fucking yeah, yeah, great. it's a
1: brilliant voice.
0: Yeah, and Paul but he, he, was, a, he team, was
1: in a band, wasn't he? What was his band called? That were? They were
0: called the Q Tips.
1: Yeah, and they did that song Toast, which was like yeah. a novelty song.
0: Yeah.
1: And in it, he's more or less like rapping, or he's doing a sort of yeah. like an Ian Jury, And mm. like, I don't know much. That's the only song on this that I really know. Actually, so Toast, was a,
0: Toast was another group that he was in before the Q-Tips. So, uh, oh. fact fans, before the pedants start writing in in their droves. Bet but the but, song uh, was
1: called Toast, a, a little yeah, bit of hit, Toast. Yeah, yeah about 79 yeah. or and something. And he sort of yeah. did it a bit like Ian Dury, like yeah. that and um,
0: Street band they were called.
1: Yeah, and and <clears> so out he someone re- rebranded him as a as a blue eyed soul singer. I don't know, but it was a mark of genius. Like what I'm saying is, if you ever a toast, you wouldn't have thought, well, this guy's got a soulful voice. This but guy's he got d- he did. pipes on him. And also, this this <clears> uh, <throat> yeah. uh, this uh sort of sound that he had, I think it was quite um indicative the way a lot of pop music went around this time because it went from there's been a lot of synth pop and stuff up until this point in the 80s and then a lot of stuff started being it around this era started going more soulful like pop mm-hmm. music started getting big soulful vibes in it because yeah. also in 1984 i don't think any of it is in this chart but there was this one <clears> week <throat> where oh let me just remember this guy's name because i met him and he was a top top bloke um so I don't want to do a disservice. So Robin Miller was a right. a, a famous record producer. Yeah. And there was I a... I think ch- he,
0: died, he died quite recently. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I think so. I remember reading tributes oh, to him. Oh, I'm a
1: him. bit gutted, because it doesn't yeah. say on Wikipedia that he died. Um.
0: Oh, no, he didn't.
1: No. Well... You know, I've just brought him back to life.
0: Congratulations, yeah, well, Robin
1: Miller. Robin Miller... I met him I didn't know this story really because I was only nine and I probably wouldn't have been following music in this le- uh, amount of detail but <clears throat> in 1984 there was a particular week where he had something like half of the UK album chart had been produced by him right and okay. and uh, he had it, and he'd basically introduced a sort of a new sound of music to like mainstream pop which was kind yeah. of jazz and soul influence so Probably his most famous record that he did was Charday Diamond Life, which I was listening yeah. to the other day, and um and yeah. he, but he also did Everything But the Girls' first album, uh, yeah. which had do a similar vibe. Do you know what? I've done,
0: do you know? Do you know what I've what? mixed up there? I've mixed up Death and Blindness.
1: You have blind. yeah. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah, he yeah. was he was interviewed on he one of the blind. many
0: many '80s pop documentaries that I drunkenly watch on a Friday night. Yeah, and that's where I saw him. You saw blind, him, yeah. and he was
1: blind. And you were pissed, saying to Oscar, "Look, oh, oh, he's dead, Oscar. He's I can't God. believe it. It's such a it's shame." A dead, he's dead on the telly. And Oscar's looking at you, going, oh, Dead? He's very much alive. He's dead. Use your eyes. No, look. He can't see. He can't <laughs> that the means under- you're dead. All right, <laughs> You might as well, be! <clears throat> No, he's uh, he's uh, he's, uh, 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 he's blind, yeah.
0: There's a list here on Wikipedia of people he's worked with as either producer, arranger, musician, songwriter or mixer and it's huge. Eric Clapton, Sting, Chrissy Hind, Alison Moyer, Brand New Heavies, The Go-Betweens, The Kane Gang, The Sal Council, Herbie Hancock, Courtney Pine, The Christians, Mick Hucknall, mm. Elvis Costello, Peter Gabriel, Bruce Hornsby, doesn't mention The Range. Maybe he worked with The Range or just Hornsby on his own. I work well with The Range.
1: Hold the rage fine, in. but keep the rage out of it. They're cunts. Bruce, it
0: <laughs> needs to be just you and me. I'm blind. I can't be doing with too many distractions. <laughs> keep the rage in the car park. <laughs> Johnny hits Jazz, Chayda Crisis, Jocelyn Brown, Big Audio Dynamite, Gil Scott Herron, Malcolm Fucking McLaren, hell. Francoise Hardy, and many, many more. Uh, and he did, in 2015, he was on Desert Island Discs. That'll be a good oh, listen.
1: I'll, I'll listen to that one. Yeah. He came on, he came on talk radio and he also was uh, one of the main figures in Red Wedge, which was the sort oh, of right, yeah. left wing collective of, of musicians that was yeah. briefly popular in, in that, that part of the 80s that Paul Weller and Billy it? Bragg were in. But he was one of the sort of people who found it because the Wag Club in Soho in London became this mm. sort of scene where, whereas there'd been n- new romanticism in the nightclubs and and then synth pop was obviously big and all this, and then yeah. in the Wag Club they started playing jazz and soul records and yeah. and you know that's where like Sade went and and he went and various other people mm. and the people and the, the you know everything but the girl and he sort they uh, he formed a little sort of um, group of merry men and women around him. And yeah. started making records with them that had that sort of jazzy soul influence that you can probably yeah. see most clearly in Sharday's first album, but then you know he did one record with the Style Council, which was Have You Ever Had It Blue, which is one of my favourite Style Council records. Yeah, which obviously is their sort of he liked Latin jazz, so he came in yeah. and I'm you know I, I I like jazz, but I don't know anything about jazz, and I but and and then this this well, last I know what I like. In this last year I've got more into it because my father in law's like a massive jazz expert and that's right. what he does for a job. He's a jazz promoter and blah blah blah. So he sort of educated me about it a little bit. But then I was a bit like, ah oh, yeah, Robin Miller, yeah, all right. Yeah, you did ever you did uh you did ever had it blue, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. That's good, that You know, what? I like that Latin well, jazz dad, you get from Britain. Well, you done well there, mate. You no, done swear. well there, I was a bit like that and he (laughs) but he obviously didn't think against all odds he didn't think me a complete cunt because do you know what he did afterwards we were just this (laughs) is a chat we were having off air just between songs do you know what he did fucking through the PR who's a mate of mine who brought him in Mm. about a week later my mate the PR says oh Robin sent me this and said it's for you he'd done me his own personal Spotify playlist of his favourite Latin jazz there you go. How about that? What a fucking man. So when you nice said stuff. quite cla- casually 5 minutes ago, I think he's dead. I tried to hold it together, but I was, <laughs> it hit me pretty hard. It was like you punched <laughs> me in the stomach. I'm really because sorry. That meant a lot to me. I mean, how about that? The really might of people you interview and it's fine. But he fucking he went he left that interview and I thought, I'm well be like a good lad. Dad a lot of good records. Probably thinks I'm a bit of a cunt, but that's the way it goes. Alright? <laughs> Can't please everyone. Fucking sent me his own. imagine that. An expert like him sending you a playlist. I was delighted.
0: That uh that, that cunt I was on the radio with last week. <laughs> send him send him that playlist I've got on my Spotify. Tell him I've personalised it.
1: Yeah. So send it to him. I've got, it, uh, I've got it as a prank I do on people I hate. It's called Jazz for Cunts. Yeah. Shit Jazz for Cunts. <laughs> Shit Jazz for Cunts. And, uh, but change the title so he doesn't know. And then he'll be going around getting really into, like, crap jazz that call, he claims call, is good. Call it recommendations for Sam. Jazz
0: recommendations for Sam. Just for I keep Sam. It,
1: this happens to me once or twice a week. I, re- I mean a real cunt. And uh, I always pull the same stunt on them.
0: <laughs> if they mention if they mention the star council I'll give them the fucking playlist
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, fucking star council that's the worst that's fucking twenty four hours of my life i will never get it back
0: I mean God he's very much not dead. I apologize profusely <laughs> and profoundly I think he uh, rebought
1: uh, Chrysalis
0: yeah he's chairman of Chrysalis, but also yeah. f- fucking Three months ago, February 2021, he rode 407 virtual miles on an exercise bike to raise 40 grand for Scope, whose shops were closed down in the pandemic. So he's made me legend. look like a right cunt
1: here, hasn't he? I love this, slope I mean, the reason right he right came off. up is what I'm saying is it was in this year in 1984 where So, Because if you look at, like... Len is like super, super into madness right now, right? Oh, my kids you know, are as well. Yeah, I think all kids go for a phase where they go. They've always he's always been aware of madness. It's sort of yeah. you play your kids when they're quite young, but just recently he's like he's become a bit like he'll get me to name the year of an album. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah, like he's got really deep, and um so I've been listening to that and like madness quite quickly around nineteen eighty four when they did things like Yesterday's Men and stuff, their mm. sound changed from quite uh what would you call it? You know well, it was sort of, it was obviously scar influenced and it was yeah. very poppy. And then all of a sudden it became very smooth and soulful and everyone started mm. doing this. But I think, yeah, our old mate Robin Miller was um very much at the heart of that oh, movement.
0: Man. I fucking love yesterday's men by madness. Fantastic. It's great song, so- isn't it? Oh, God, yeah. Um, Not in this chart, though. Are we talking about anything in this chart? Well, I'm just saying, because we were talking talking about Paul Young, Young,
1: who wasn't produced by Robin Miller, but I think the rise of Paul Young in 1984 and all these songs was just part of a a wider scene of kind of soul, blue-eyed soul, British soul, soul pop became a thing.
0: Two places above, Alison Moyer there, with All Cried Out, at number 37. Yeah. Another great example of that pop soul sort of thing.
1: And don't forget, around this era as well, I think Fergal Sharkey with a good heart, got to number one as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. A which was sort of this, soulful.
1: And then, yeah. about a year or two later, along comes Hucknell. Yeah. He's fucking cashed in on it. He spotted it all, and he's <laughs> thought, aye, aye, there's an opportunity here. I'm having here. some of
0: this, yeah. Yeah. This will never go out of fashion.
1: Oh, here's another one that he did. I uh, He produced Fine Young Cannibals,
0: mm-hmm.
1: The Raw and The Cooked, which
0: Fantastic is, is
1: one of the greatest albums, isn't it? I mean, it's fucking yeah. right up there. So he were, bought, what I'm he, saying um, is he wasn't playing games. For a blind fella as well, I mean, I yeah. don't know. Forgive me if you're blind listening to this and I'm sounding a bit ignorant of, of being blind, but I imagine... That that presents challenges as a musician. I know there's obviously there's a long history of fantastic musicians who are blind. Let's be honest, some of some of the greatest musical people of <clears> all time <throat> are blind. <throat> so maybe there's a connection, I don't know.
0: One of them is just another four places above this, number thirty four, Stevie Wonder. I just caught the say I love you. Uh um, yeah, that's his worst no song.
1: But we no can't blame that on the blindness. <laughs> Because we can't blame that song on the blindness because he was just as blind when he made all his good songs. He, so he,
0: he, he made that with his brain, not his eyes.
1: Yeah, he and can't his ears, that of his course. Eyes. Let's not forget the ears. <laughs> do you remember uh... Do you remember when George Michael released a best of and it came in two it was a it was a double disc and one was For the heart, and the other one was for the feet. Do you remember that, Andy?
0: Which one was that? Sorry, I was. I was.
1: George Michael. George Michael released his compilation. Yeah, his compilation best of, and one one disc was for the heart, and the other one was for the feet.
0: Yeah, brilliant, right? Nothing for the eyes, though. (laughs) Thanks, George. Well, that would have been rude. um, I mean, we we, uh, congratulate ourselves on not mentioning the fact, or it may be just a myth that blind people have got better hearing. So therefore, it makes them better to, for making records.
1: Could, that could know. be true. Again, I'm pretty sure we'll either have some blind listeners or people who
0: <coughs> blind adjacent who listeners are related
1: to yeah, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, get in touch and let us know.
0: Yeah, let's just move on because we're going to get into trouble in a
1: minute. I uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to sort of say, listen, we we're open to learning more about blindness.
0: Anyway, just moving up to the 36, you've got Queen there with "Thank God It's Christmas," an attempt at the Christmas number one. Uh, Of course, Queen are awful on the whole, uh, and that only made it as far as number 21. So that is, I mean, that
1: people go on about Queen, and I've noticed increasingly. Actually, I don't know. I don't want to get into Queen with you because you (laughs) just go bananas.
0: I promise, I said nothing much. Jalapeño. Make the same no-brainer decision as over one million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Jalapeño.
1: Well, thank God it's Christmas. Just got to 36 and people sometimes talk about Queen these days in the same as bands like the Beatles. And I just think, <laughs> hang on, I was around when Queen were a thing and they were just another band. There were loads of big bands in the 80s, but Queen were not, like, as big as people seem. Oh, you know, the real... Cl- people go, like, the classics, the Beatles, the Stones, Queen. Queen. And they're, like, <laughs> fucking Queen. <laughs> they're just, like... That's like saying the Beatles, the Stones, the Thompson Twins. Do you know what I mean? It's just it's just not fucking true. Well, and they were like, a bit bigger know, for
0: a bit longer than the Thompson Twins. Give them that credit, but, yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But, you know, I mean, I'm exaggerating to make a point. You know, all the greats... Led, Zepp- Led, Led Zeppelin, Fleetwood Mac, Queen, Matt Bianco,
0: Everett <laughs> Sessions.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fucking Queen.
0: This comes in the the sad the sad news that Nick Kierman's died this week as well. He's just fifty nine. Oh. Nick Nick Kierman can't be allowed to die. That's not right.
1: I know, I know, and it, and, and his brother died. Yeah, uh, not that long ago, which was quite big story. because his brother, they were both people thinking Nick Caiman's been in that ad. Which obviously was mm. an amazing, sort of iconic cultural moment, I guess, in the eighties. I don't, I don't think I say that in retrospect. I think genuinely, when that laundrette ad came out, it was the first ad that I can ever yeah. remember thinking, "Fucking hell, that's really good." I'm almost looking forward to seeing that come on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah. Ah, oh, that was it was proper game changer, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, but I, I, I don't know what Nick Kamen's done over the years since then that doesn't Well he did, any he did record his records didn't he, he? He, he, he i mean he was massive in europe he had massive hits yeah he and he collaborated
1: like, with madonna yeah she
0: and, wrote his first and one
1: yeah. i saw him playing a football match like a like a game where it was my brother's company were playing against another company in the 90s when i, I was a student i went along just to watch mm. and someone went i oh, they've got nick Kamen playing for them and I'm like, what, Nick Kamen? And I go, yeah. Okay. And I was a bit like, fucking pretty boy. I bet he's shit. Well, I'm here to tell you, mate, that <laughs> Nick Kamen <laughs> was superb footballer. Yeah. I would yeah. say, I've seen a lot of football, that Nick Kamen could have made it at the top level of football. Based yeah. on one performance, yeah. he was head and shoulders above every other player on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, that's not fucking fair. This cunt's the most beautiful man in the world. Yeah, he can sing, and mm-hmm. he's fucking brilliant at football. And by was all accounts, as, was was he as good like, as Ralph Little? I played with Ralph Little, who he is was, yeah he, superb. He, he had a double. I would He, he, he a
0: Hartlepool a couple of times. I think.
1: I think that Nick Caiman, I felt he was more of a selfless player. Like I played right. with Ralph Little, he won't often pass. Alright. Because he's the best player. Yeah. But come on, lads. We've all got to have Tink a little in. touch. Mm. Yeah. Um yeah, Nick <clears throat> Cayman, brilliant. And I was going but well, he was part him and his brother were part of the Buffalo Movement, which was a sort of a fashion and music kind of thing that was championed by the Face magazine in the eighties. Alright, yeah and you know Buffalo Girls and all that and Nina Cherry right. was their mate and mm. so yeah they were so, it was a, like it was a sort of arty fashiony music thing I, that, I
0: never got I never got the first magazine it never clicked for me it was like uh,
1: uh, too much clothes and not enough music I was I banging into it. the music I was exactly um, the sort of pont. You yeah, in London, loved door, it. Yeah. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean it was a very London magazine, that was the thing. So I can imagine I can see very clearly how it would have been deemed to be obnoxious by a lot of people. But I wasn't I wasn't living that I mean very po faced almost. It was like it wanted to be fucking like considered elitist yeah. and cool. But I wasn't reading it as one of the people it was Squarely about or aimed at, like who were basically London club kids who went to places like the Wag Club. I was like a schoolboy in the suburbs, right? Who Mm -hmm. didn't, you know, was way too young to be going to trendy nightclubs or affording the sort of clothes or anything. So I sort of read it like a fucking fantasy portal into a more glamorous life. I thought it was fucking amazing. I was so devoted to it that, I mean, I've still got them all up in my mum's loft and i was so devoted to it that i would basically when they published their songs of the year and albums of the year Mm. like i would fucking keep that write it all down and make sure that i'd gone out and got like all the fucking singles and albums of that not all of them but you know what i mean like whatever the number one album was that year i would go out and get it if i didn't have it already Mm. which I wouldn't have done because I wouldn't have fucking heard of it I was that I mean I'm not saying this is I'm not <clears> saying this with pride I'm just saying it had a huge fucking influence on me and it also looked amazing I didn't fucking understand half what it was on about yeah but it fucking the design of that man is the best design magazine of all time I used to just fucking pour over it looked so pretty the pictures <laughs> I thought it was <laughs> well yeah that bullet. was the thing it, but, it was, it, but there's no getting away from, from the fact it was a bit of a cunts magazine in a way but yeah. I just thought it was fucking amazing
0: yeah yeah that's probably that probably sums up what I thought of it but I mean yeah. like I see I was there, up there in the provinces I I give no fucks about fashion or clothes and never have done I buy my clothes yeah. from supermarkets I'm not ashamed of that um but there you go it wasn't for me but it was for you
1: um, The thing is those mags those mags the thing that they missed out on was humor like so like when yeah. loaded came out the thing, yeah. the the reason I suddenly switched from buying face to <clears throat> buying loaded was that it had similar sensibilities because it was about going out. Like the face mm. was about going out, and so was loaded. It was about going out, but loaded, of course, was less elitist. But also, it was funny. And the thing about those mags in the eighties, those star magazines, is that they almost went out of their way to be earnest and never funny. Yeah, Thought yeah. Funny yeah. was for other people. Cool people mm. aren't funny. Do you know what I mean? That was it. And when,
0: when you're trying to be cool, you don't muck about. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's a pause. you poise. It's a pause. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah.
1: Where's that? I love mucking about? You uh, can't beat mucking about. In fact, I'd love to launch a magazine called Mucking About. Mucking About. <laughs> mucking About Weekly. And it's just different articles about different types of mock, muck, mucking about. Ah, 14-page pull-out special on Knockdown Ginger. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be fucking great wouldn't it a mucking about magazine and you, have, you could have celebrities like you could have Idris Elba on the front cover yeah. and it's like Idris Elba talks us through his childhood mucking about and how he still Idris- loves mucking about even today
0: Idris Elba goes and catches some tiddlers in the
1: local stream <laughs> yeah, exactly and there's a picture of his trousers rolled up to his knees yeah. and he's got a bucket <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch right the in a in a really nice Eve Saleron suit, leaning over the top of a stairwell that's in a car park at a local shopping precinct, tipping a McDonald's milkshake down on some other kids' heads and then pegging it. <laughs> Me and Mucking About. Prunella Tom Scales Hardy. talks us through her childhood mucking about memories.
0: Tom Hardy jumping up and down on a burnt out car in the middle of a field. <laughs>
1: <laughs> scrap where to yeah. find the best all ones <laughs> where yeah. to find the best ones and all the best mucking about spots in the UK <laughs> with lockdown coming to an end a lot of us are itching to get back out on the mucking about scene <laughs> here our editors and some of our favourite celebrities recommend the spots that they're chomping at the bit to get mucking about in after May 17th <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, good stuff that'll catch I on. Put can't the beat list things can, about, do.
1: can you um, freedom by one shot. I'll quickly talk about that I got um in in. it must have been this year so I've probably told this story but it, it it warrants telling again because it was formative for me mm. is that I was in the I don't know I suppose I would have been in the thir- third year second or third year of juniors and, uh, you know, not unpopular, but not top popularity. Mm-hmm. And the top popularity really was if you had mates from the year above, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. If you had
1: mates in the year above... You'd made it. That, yeah. That, yeah, And that, but that usually came from being really good at football because then mm-hmm. they'd sort of want you to be in the team. I was never very good at football. So I didn't have that going for me. But my brother... Used to, this is all relevant to WAM, by the way. Okay. My brother used to come in from his shift at the post office and bully me for his entertainment. Mm-hmm. It was how he had come unwound. here, Sam.
0: I'm going to bully you now.
1: Like, oh, <laughs> I need to unwind. Come here so I can bully you a little bit before I go to bed. Right? <laughs> and, and, uh, so I'd be like sat there fucking eating a bowl of instant wick watching fucking whatever on TV, Grain Chill. Popeye. And, and Popeye. he'd come in watching a bit of Popeye. What are you doing, you fucking twat? I've been watching Popeye, aren't I? Well, don't. There's bullying to be done. Right. And he came in and he, one of the things he used to do was uh, bully me about my hairstyle, which is pretty pathetic for a 16 year old to be bullying a fucking yeah, eight year old about like his hair. Or something. Yeah, Yeah. look at your fucking hair. You look like a right fucking weed. Like as your you cat. Go, fucking bowl head hair. It always call be bowl right? Because I just had hair. It wasn't cut in any sort. just hair that grew. That's what it's like when you're a kid, isn't it? That's
0: what you had, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: It's just fucking yeah. hair that grew on your head, You not have mate. a hairstyle. You didn't get hairstyle till you were 13 or 14. Exactly. I don't have a fucking say in how my hair grows. <laughs> Blame nature. <laughs> Right? <laughs> and, but you kind of go, your fucking hair's a joke, mate. You look like a fucking idiot. And one day I snapped, right? I went, fucking hell, what? And your hair's so fucking good. And what he had, and I think I've talked about this before, was a, a flat top because he was mm. a psycho billy. Psycho billy, yeah. yeah. We talked about psycho billies. Yeah. I mean, so it was practically bald at the sides mm-hmm. and a very sharp flat top on top, right? About, yeah. let's say, an inch high. And so it was pretty extreme. You know, it probably made him marked him out looking like a bit of a nutter out mm. and about. And I went, Oh, yours is so fucking good. And he went, Yeah. I said, Well, mm. I should get hair like yours, should I? He went, Yeah, you fucking should. I went, Alright, fucking do it. If you pay, I'll fucking do it. He went, Alright. So he got, so there and then he <laughs> marched me down to the barber's, Sam the Greek, right? <laughs> yeah. And sat and he goes, Right, give it I'm paying. Give him air cut like mine. And he goes, Sam the Greek goes, flat top. On little Sam, and he's going, Clapped yeah. Laptop on a child, it's not a possible. T- he he go, well, fucking do it. I'm paying you, and he got I don't know. Your mum know about this. I remember the yeah. conversation. going, yeah, don't worry about her. I can square it. She's not yeah. in charge anyway. I am. I'm the yeah. one bring the money home from the post office. Here, get yourself a drink. Give another yeah, pound. Yeah, it north. was like that. So they did it, and I must admit, it was one that I I had to act tough, but hmm. I was practically gonna i was crying i was crying inside i had to hold the tears yeah, back because yeah. i was scared andy have you ever been scared of your own reflection <laughs> because <laughs> i fucking, was that day i looked at myself and i thought you are you look like a baddie right oh. you look like a terrifying boy yeah so i go home and my mum's like she comes in from work. she goes what the fuck is this and I go, don't mind me doing it. He took me down, sound the Greeks. So she wasn't happy, but she was like, "All right." I think she just wanted to make me feel better because she could tell that, you know, it had fucking freaked me out. It yeah. bully, it got me a bully haircut, right? Yeah. And at <coughs> school in those days, now I go into primary school, and some lads nowadays they they see the footballers and they do go and get haircuts, mm. like Len just has normal hair, but some of the Lads, the younger lads do go there, Let me let like whoever. Mm. Fucking James Madison or something, right? Yeah. Um, but then, then, no one fucking had a haircut. So he didn't the like this. No. This was mad, right? It was a zero round the sides. And this fucking what's this got to perfect, do with like, Wham? i tell you what's got to do with Wham. Because <laughs> we're running out of time. You've got All to right. go out on your truck in a minute. I'll tell you. I walk into the playground. I walk into assembly wearing a hat because t- I'm so embarrassed and the teacher says mm. take that hat off in assembly shouts at me so I take the hat off I'm not joking every cunt looks around and gasps,
0: <gasps> like that right
1: and I'm like fucking I'm so self conscious and embarrassed about it and people are giving yeah. me shit and taking the piss and it's just I, just I couldn't deal with it right first break comes around and one of the harder kids from the year above it's the end of year disco that you get if you're in the year four if you're fourth year right which is now year six. And he comes up to me and he's like, I can't remember his name, might have been Lee. And I thought he was coming over to bully me. Oh no, here comes a big boy to bully me because of my haircut (laughs) that (laughs) has marked me out. And he goes, no! He goes, nice haircut mate. And I go, oh, thank you. And he goes, you're a psychobilly, and I said, Oh, my brother is. He goes, Yeah, my brother is as well. I want to get a white haircut like that. My mum won't let me. And I said, yeah. Oh, my brother just made me. Well, 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 best of luck. And he goes <laughs> like this that every fourth year was allowed to invite someone from the year below one oh, guest yeah. to the disco. Right, you, you can come to the disco if you want as my guest. I went, yeah. Really? He goes, Yeah, you've got to buy a record though. Ah. I was fucking made up. So I went straight out the record shop after school and I bought Wham! Freedom! And took there it to it the is. disco with Fat Club. And that, my friends, is the end of that totally inconsequential anecdote.
0: I don't know what the moral of the story is but there it is. And, um... There we go. We'll leave it, we'll leave it there. I think we'll leave that chart there. We've pretty much yeah. wrung all of the joy of right now. dry. Yeah, we'll do another one in a couple of weeks' time. So, uh... Thanks for listening. And, uh...
1: Always follow your heart and your hair. Today's enemy is tomorrow's friend.